Hello, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Hello. Hi. This is Griffin McElroy. Look at this this stance you have. Which stance is it that I'm doing? Oh, you're talking about crane pose. Oh, is that what that is? That is what it is, and I'm ready to strike. And if someone comes at me with a weapon or at you with a weapon, mm. they're going to get one of these. Now we'll kick. One of these. Yeah. I, oh. That was yeah. three kicks all in one, all in a row, and a lot of people can't even kick once as fast as I kick three <laughs> times. Because I think it's important to protect my, protect this house, protect yeah. my love, protect our child with mm-hmm. my many kicks that mm-hmm. I can do. And I don't know, maybe I shouldn't be talking about this on the podcast, you know, because I don't want to sound like a bad boy. But if you come in my house with a weapon, I'll do, I'll do like six or seven kicks at you. So. Do you want to talk about the Max Fun Drive? Sure, yeah. I mean, that's what's paid for all of my different lessons. Uh, my kicking. Fi- in kicking and fighting. And uh, this is the final week, isn't it? Just a, just a couple more days here on the old Max Fun Drive. And although we've come to the end of the road, please support our show. It's impossible to do this show without your support. Oh, babe. I've been working on that for three years. <laughs> uh, yeah, if, if you do not uh, mind, if you, <laughs> it would be super solid of you to go to MaximumFun.org slash join and uh, think about becoming a, a member of the network and a supporter of our show. Uh, it is a very, very direct way of supporting our show. When you do become a member, uh, you choose the uh, membership level that works for you and you get to check out all the different rewards that you can get. Uh, at those levels, five dollars a month, you get that bonus content. Ten dollars, you get the pin, and uh, twenty dollars a month, select you get the all games. The shows. But yeah, you pick the shows you want to directly support. Yeah. Uh, a chunk of that goes to Max Fun for helping us out with all the things that they do. But otherwise, just the shows that you pick are the shows that your money is directly sent to. So, like, it's a very, very uh, just democratic way of of uh, choosing how to help us out. Last um, week we put up a new we bonus did. episode. We did. It was our our cruise show from the uh, Joko cruise, the doomed Joko cruise, which uh, <laughs> feels like a a million brilliant scrillion years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get to hear all about uh, some of the horrifying uh, events that happened uh, to us and our friends on that and cruise. Some of our our favorite ocean related. Things. Yes, there's an at-length discussion of Deep Blue Sea starring mm-hmm. uh, LL Cool J. I talk about the Sharknado franchise. Yes, you do. Uh, it's a it's a lot of fun. We, I mean, we have a ton of bonus content on yeah. there. Um, but, you know, really the, the biggest thing you get is the sense of satisfaction and, uh, you know, feeling of, of you know, good cheer for for helping us out we've been i've been doing podcasts on max fun for 10 years now and the the lives we have now the careers we have now the stuff that we make now is only possible because of the support we've gotten from folks like you so uh if you've been thinking about doing it don't delay because again there's only a couple days left in the drive go to maximumfun.org slash join now please i think uh well oh small wonders small wonders hey i can go first this week okay uh butter butter Love butter. Realized maybe 80% of the time when I find a dish particularly good is yeah. because there is a, a lot, lot of butter in a it. A lot of butter. I actually heard that Paula Dean got her whole sort of like aesthetic from you. Oh, yeah. And by that, I mean her love of butter. Uh-huh. Um, she saw this tiny St. Louis girl. Yeah. Uh, just really slathering it on in a restaurant. Eating and, a and stick of Land O'Lakes like it was a Snickers bar. And thinking, you know what? I'm going to make a whole thing just around that. Yes. Um, I wanted to talk about the uh, a show that we recently watched on Netflix called Love on the Spectrum, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I don't know a ton about or how it was made, uh, but it is a essentially a reality dating show about people on the autism spectrum. Uh, and you follow along with like, like eight or so folks i think it's only like four episodes it's not a very long uh very long haul uh but you know rachel and i are fans of a of a a good dating reality show of which there are very very few these days uh and i think that it like you know scratches all of those particular itches but it also offers uh, a look at the autism spectrum in a way that is like so um oh god it's so tangible it's so like uh, it, 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 by placing it through the lens of 
first dates, which is like one of the more sort of socially uncomfortable life events that any person can go through. It makes uh, it makes it so so relatable, and so then when you are uh, you know offered these these glimpses into uh, where each of these different people land on the spectrum, and like how how that sort of manifests on these dates, it gave me a genuine. I feel like understanding of what the spectrum is and like where, what it looks like to be on different parts of it better than like literally anything I've ever seen. And I want to couch that by saying like, it felt like to me, it was a fairly responsibly made show. Like I didn't find anything about it, like particularly exploitive, which I think it would be a very, very easy thing to do, but I don't want to like set that in. I think part of what's really successful about it and Griffin and I, commented on it right away is that they they show a lot of really successful couples sure uh where one or both partners are on the spectrum uh and so it's not like you just see these dating shows and it's just like oh dating's hard it's like let's see what this looks like when a couple is successful right uh so you feel like oh okay you feel hopeful and you feel um really encouraged and and it's really heartwarming it is heartwarming like you you are rooting for the people on this show like so 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 hardcore that that are making it work uh it's just it's it's great. It's but also great. as genuinely as, you know, I, I I feel fairly like with it when it comes to like the the autism spectrum and like understanding like what it is. But like it really, really like, um, I don't know. It just it, it is very, I feel like educational about sort of like what what it means to to be on different parts of the spectrum. And I thought it, I thought it was really, uh, really incredible. You do get the like, you know. It is not much like a dating show. It's like not there's this element of non-reality to it because like they are being filmed. Right. Yeah. And because like a lot of these the, the, the folks on this show who are on the spectrum it, uh, have like an aversion to uh, s- sort of social. um What's the word? Artifice like yeah. that. Like it, it there is an element of like uh discomfort there that maybe maybe should not be there or maybe is like more uncomfortable than it needs to be but i i don't know i think in general like i i thought it was really terrific and heartwarming and genuinely sweet uh you go first this week do you want to hit it yeah i wanted to talk about for my first thing uh pretend play Mm. like with kids or like in the uh (laughs) you mean pretend play like (laughs) Is this is this who you want to be? You know what I mean, like uh, how we in the bedroom sometimes do like a little light John Garfield play. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you're a pharmacist and I am picking up a prescription. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or sometimes like I'm a cumulonimbus cloud and you're an airplane. <laughs> wow, flying through me. That was really powerful for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it has to be. No, I'm talking about kids. Oh, okay, that's better. I would rather talk about that. <laughs> yeah, me too. That's Good. why that's why I picked that. Good. Um I this is something that I'm really proud of uh for Henry. I think it's one of those things like you know, in those early years you have those milestones of like talking and mm-hmm. walking and and potty training and all that stuff. But I think the thing that has been most fun for me to watch and the thing that I really like like I don't know. I don't want to say brag on, but I no. feel like this is a this is a demonstration of like how cool he is is his pretend play abilities. Well, I think we can like couch it by saying maths. He's just constantly putting up bricks. Yeah, he's never been really good at uh, the the kind of the show pieces that a lot of parents say like sing your ABC song. Like can't do it. No, yeah, can't do it. Infrequently can count to ten. Uh, but not like, uh, not the kind of thing we, we put on a stage and say, do it, Henry. No, it's more yeah. like, Hey, take this Batman and this flash and create a world An for entire- us. Yesterday <laughs> he, he, uh, it is exhausting for us in a way that is like kind of difficult to understand because it's not like he is running us ragged. He certainly does do that from time to time where he just wants to like sprint all around the house or like, you know, be pushed on his, you know, scooter or whatever all around the neighborhood. Uh, And that's exhausting in in one way. But yesterday for probably about an hour and 15 minutes, he wanted to do an extended inside out role play (laughs) uh, using like these little using magnetiles. So like the red triangle was anger and the yellow triangle was joy. And like he wanted to do all the emotions for no joke, 
about the runtime of the entire film inside <laughs> out. And I got to the end of it like I am ex- I am creatively spent, my man. It's it's one of those things too like when Griffin and I talked about our own childhoods, we realized was a big part of like our growing up. I mean, me particularly cuz I was an only child and maybe you because you were the youngest. Mm-hmm. Uh, you it's like you create your own little characters in your own little world and it becomes like a big part of what you do when you play. Mm-hmm. Uh particularly when you're not let's say a especially athletic kid. Sure. Uh and so it was something that like when I saw Henry do it, I was like, "Oh, I I remember that. That's that's me." And I feel like it's also particularly suited well for Griffin because Griffin's such a good like storyteller improviser you know it has improved my (laughs) improvisational skills like really dramatically we were talking to your parents yesterday about how Henry likes wrong books where he wants us to read books but to do every single thing in the book wrong like say the wrong names and the wrong colors and the wrong like everything and like I feel like I could do I could join like a Herald team at this point because of (laughs) how he's forgotten to like part of me understands it right he has so many books that we've read to him hundreds of times and so for him he knows the book now and he's excited to see what the story would be if it were different yeah but he he started doing that with new books which I think he doesn't really get like you don't even know you don't even know this is wrong really I mean I guess you could look at the pictures and determine it but you've forgotten the point of this game right um and and so i you know maybe for my own like edification uh and also just out of curiosity i, I looked into like pretend pretend play right and i'll because it seems like the kind of thing that would build a lot of skills right absolutely sure like you there's obviously a lot of creativity involved but there's a lot of opportunities to kind of demonstrate and act out different things that you're not maybe personally experiencing yes that there's a lot of value in that like uh a lot of research talks about how you have the opportunity to express both positive and negative feelings and kind of integrate emotion with cognition like this i and i've seen that with henry too like sometimes all the characters are playing and one isn't doesn't have a friend and he'll like bring a friend in and talk about how it feels and it's just like it's cool to see him kind of test out emotions and problem solving in this little made up world that he's created. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of value in that, especially in a time where he's not really getting to be around a lot of other kids. I will say though, yesterday during our extended inside out LARPing that we were doing, (laughs) he got really angry that I wouldn't make the sadness emotion become happy. And I was like, I don't think you understood the entire (laughs) thesis of that film. My three-year-old dog. Um, They also talk about how it gives the opportunity to, to work through kind of reduced aggression and delay of gratification, uh, empathy, this idea, especially if you're playing with other kids and you can't control the narrative as much. Right. I will say with Henry, as you just mentioned, he kind of tells us where the story can go. I imagine if you were playing with other kids, they would be less accommodating. Yeah, he'll, he'll steamroll right over us, but he has a deference for older children that I think, you know, nullifies that somewhat. Um, I mentioned the increase of creativity. There's also a suggestion like when they look at like Nobel Prize and MacArthur winners that those early childhood games were kind of more make believe and creative. Sure. You know, kind of expanding your later capacity to kind of imagine these worlds. Yeah. You know, and do things that aren't possible currently. Um, and, And just building curiosity too. I That for me, like if anybody were to ask kind of the skill that I think is most valuable uh, just in your entire lifespan. I feel like curiosity, like number one. Yeah. Right. It's one of the things that I like always respected so and whistling. much about older people. Yeah. Whistling is first than their curiosity. Whistling, yeah. Their whistling ability. I mean, when you look at a person that can whistle. Yeah, you, sure. You think like what isn't possible. Yeah. You know? What else, what else that mouth do is what Rachel likes to say. <laughs> oh, Rachel likes to say that. Rachel loves to say that yeah. on the street. Like you see like somebody like, well, skipping their step like, and you're like, uh, what else does that mouth do? You don't yeah, say that like loud. I'll, well, no, I mean, I have shouted it across the street before. You have, you did do that once or twice. Yeah. And you were um, spoken to sternly by a, an officer of the law. <laughs> Excuse me, miss. Yeah. We don't do that. We don't do that here. Um. I, I will say, like, there was a, a researcher that looked at kind of the stages of play, uh, which I thought was interesting. This is Dr. Uh, Sarah Smolansky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she talks about kind of, you know, initially kids, when they are learning to play, um, 
there's doing something called functional play, which is just like a, here is a teddy bear and I am giving it a drink of water. Uh, and that's kind of the first stage of like, I'm pushing a shopping cart to put things in. And then constructive play where they're like building a house out of blocks, like this idea of like, they're doing a little bit more creativity, but it's right. still like, I'm going to make this thing uh, that I know it really exists and it's going to look like the thing that exists. And then dramatic play is what happens from like age three and on, which is like, you know, you're cooperating, you're, you're using something to represent something else from its original purpose. Um, and you're kind of imitating familiar scenarios yeah. in, in your play. You're writing an entire fucking Tennessee Williams play, but <laughs> starring the Avengers, <laughs> which is our usual MO around this household. Um, yeah, he has started to understand, I think, a little bit that that the Avengers universe is different than the Batman universe. I've noticed Yo, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, they still interact, but he gets that they're not like coexisting traditionally. Yeah. Um, the fourth stage of play often is just like where you learn how to play games. Like when you learn how to, to do. I know this is, Griffin is really anxious for this Ooh, really one. Really pushing that. Really pushing that. Come on, bud. When you figure out that there are rules and there are ways to play certain games and that it is important to stick to those rules. Yeah. I get out the chess set every once in a while and he'll like roundhouse kick all the pieces off of it. I'll be like, that's. That's progress. <laughs> We've gotten to, he kind of understands hide and seek. Yeah. Uh, which is, I mean, there are rules associated with that. Sure. So we're, get, we're getting there. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, that's that's my, my thing, pretend play. That's very good. I have, weirdly, my first thing is kind of the exact polar opposite of that. And it's real work. No. Uh, <laughs> my first thing, okay, this is going to sound really, really out there. So I need everybody to kind of like stick with me and grant me like five or six minutes of just kind of like clemency while I lay it, lay it all out, okay? My first thing is nightmares. We've talked about dreams on the show before. Rachel specifically has talked about dreams on the show. I don't think nightmares themselves are great, obviously. I think they're scary and they can contribute to sleep deprivation, uh, which I've never really, I don't think I've talked about on this show or any other, but is like a thing I really struggle with, uh, particularly since we've been in quarantine. I have had uh, bouts of insomnia that have lasted for very, very, very long stretches of time where I only get like a few hours of sleep a night. And it sucks shit and it's bad. And I've might definitely seen my nightmares count tick up during that time. And when I say nightmares, like I'm not talking about just like bad dreams. I'm talking about like long, extended, like vivid, disturbing dreams. That, and like, why, why are these wonderful? Oh, I'm going to get there. Okay. Uh, they are common among children, but they are less so among adults. I didn't realize this, uh, but I found a couple places that corroborated this. About only half of adults actually have like occasional nightmares. Really? That seems so low. It seems wild. Uh, only two to eight percent of adults have them like very frequently. And I would count myself uh, among that number because I have them really quite frequently. I've never these talked days. to anybody and had them be like, oh, yeah, no, I don't know that I've had a nightmare in a few years. Uh, nightmares take place in REM sleep, uh, much like dreams, that's that good sleep, the deep stuff. Uh, and because REM cycles get longer as time goes on, most nightmares that you have happen closer to the morning they happen in yeah. like the, the early morning hours instead of like you, you typically you don't wake up in a cold sweat and it's like you know 11 30 at night and you've just had a very very quick nightmare i didn't realize that's the uh distinction between nightmares and night terrors night terrors typically happen like pretty soon after you fall asleep and they are more based in they feel like feelings rather than dreams so it's like a completely sort of different uh thing and that is not what i'm talking about nightmare night terrors are uh horrifying and 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 uh scary uh nightmares are sometimes spontaneous but they also have a lot of attributable causes um eating before bed like you uh i think you hear that in like a christmas carol like you're just yeah. a blob of mustard uh but eating right before bed can increase your metabolism and brain activity which can contribute oh. to having more nightmares uh there are uh medications specifically ones that act in the brain like antidepressants um and narcotics are associated with nightmares are as are some like non uh, uh psychological medications things like uh, a lot of blood pressure medication has been attributed to uh nightmares uh sleep deprivation can be a trigger which is a vicious cycle because it can also lead to sleep deprivation if you i have had nightmares that are so rough and rumbled that when i uh you know wake up i am so like 
you know, yeah. jacked that I just cannot fall asleep, which then makes me more sleep deprived, which then makes it more. That is likely. still something I hold on to today that started happening as I was a kid. You know, the idea that you wake up from a nightmare and sometimes if you fall back asleep right away, you will like be in it again. Yes. I feel like that happened a lot as a kid. And I like would teach myself to try and stay awake for a while. And I still do that as an adult. Not great. It's not a great yeah. behavior. Uh, and then also just like anxiety and depression and uh, of course, PTSD can also like lend themselves to chronic nightmares uh, as can sleep disorders like uh, sleep apnea or restless leg syndrome. Uh, And yeah, nightmares are fucking brutal and they are bad. Uh, The good news is that they do have a lot of, you know, attributable causes. And so there is, there are things that you can do to limit them if you do end up having them like chronically before they can have like a detrimental effect on your health. So nightmares are not wonderful. Uh, I have them a lot and frequently like wake up literally covered in sweat i showed you the like griffin sized sweat mark (laughs) in our bed from the other day when i woke up in the middle of one uh and right it's rough what is wonderful is that sense of relief when you wake up from a nightmare and you realize that it wasn't real this was a long walk griffin i told you i needed like five to six minutes to get there but now we're here I genuinely, in the same way that when I have the dream that I have that I'm like always the most pumped about is like the telekinesis dream, which is like, oh shit, it's real. I'm moving stuff with my mind. Yeah. Oh, I probably won't remember how to do it. Oh, I can't remember how to do it. I just have this superpower. And then I wake up and I'm like, ah, fuck. Let me at least try and turn the lamp on with my mind. No. Ah, fuck. It was a dream. Damn it. This is the inversion of that where I have some horrible dream yeah. and, and my nightmares are never like i'm being chased by a killer through the woods it is typically like either way more apocalyptic than that or something like uh a, a person that i know has like passed away and now i'm sad yeah. or like uh i very frequently have the uh the actor's nightmare of just being on yeah. a stage and not knowing any of the words of the show and being like humiliated about that and much like christmas carol which i referenced earlier when you wake up from one of those nightmares and it's like, boy, what day is it today? <laughs> it wasn't real. Like, that is incredible. That is the good stuff for me. And it also sometimes has like a very tangible effect on my life. I remember when I was living in Chicago, I was having nightmares like literally every night just constantly i was having nightmares because i wasn't like leaving the house and i was like super depressed and not really doing anything about it i was eating like garbage and just like not taking care of myself so my nightmares were just like constant and i had one where a friend of mine uh had had died and i was just like it was so real it was like i had woken up and my friend was gone and i was like so 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 heartbroken about it and so when i woke up the next morning and realized that it wasn't real i was so over the moon and i got back in touch with that friend and like stayed in better touch with them because I felt this like incredible relief that they were still there. And it made me feel more sort of like grateful. That is the like best case scenario of it. But even just like a dream where, you know, the world is ending or whatever and the anxiety that that brings about and having that just be nullified is kind of like a superpower. That is nice. I, I, I will have dreams a lot of times where I am in some kind of argument with somebody. And it is nice to wake up and be like, oh, good. That didn't Yes. Happen. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it's, I don't really have anything else to say. There's, I, I couldn't find a lot of like research on this. There's a lot of research on what causes nightmares. And I am not, please do not walk away from this segment say, thinking that I'm saying like, <laughs> nightmares kick ass. They're not. But that like uh, second chance It feels like a second chance that you get sometimes after like a really, really vivid, really realistic nightmare that makes you feel grateful that it wasn't real when you wake up in the morning. Like there's not a lot of research on that, but it is, uh, I had a a terrible dream last night uh, and this morning I woke up and it wasn't real and I was very, very, I had a little spring in my step. Uh, It was really nice. (laughs) Uh, that was a weird segment. Yeah, it was a real glasses half full kind of moment for yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. Well, that's the whole thing here in the show. Speaking of glasses half full, you know what else is more than half empty? In fact, it's three quarters empty and change is the Max Fun Drive. We're almost, yeah. we're almost, we're, <laughs> We're almost out of time, folks. Uh, you want to talk some about the, the, the gifts you can get for uh, giving yeah, it to the levels? So, so Griffin mentioned uh, if you give $5 a month, which I'm just going to do the math for you on that. That's 60 bucks A year. For a year. 
Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Well, some people hear $5 a month and they think, I have no idea what that would be. That's $60, yeah. friends. Rachel can multiply literally any number <laughs> times 12. Like, give it like 12. 12 times 12. 144. There it is, baby. Bazinga. 10. Uh, wait, 12 times 10? 120. Like, it's nothing, folks. Yeah. Like it's nothing. Let's stop there. Let's yeah, please. Yeah, because if I said like seven. Let's please immediately stop there. Okay. Um. And that's bonus content, right? Yeah. And that's a lot of bonus content. And I know some of you are reaching the end of your podcast feed because you've had a lot more time to sit around and listen. Yes. This would just dump a whole bunch of new podcasts right in your lap from your favorite Max Fun hosts. So $5 a month, that's a that's a win-win for everybody. Sure. What about at 10? At 10. So um, a lot of folks are looking for ways to to show their support and their love for particular podcasts. $10 a month, you get to pick a pin a associated pin. with your favorite podcast. You put that pin on a backpack. You put it on a purse. You put it on a jacket. Yep. Uh, and you've, then you've got that pin. You got that pin. It was designed by mm-hmm. Megan Lincott, uh, who makes new designs every year. And they are these just really nice enamel pins. And you're going to love it. You also get a little Max Fun membership card. And you also get the, the bonus content yeah. that you get for the, the $5 tier. What about at uh, $20 a month? At $20 a month. So it is not uh, a surprise to a lot of you, but many of our Max Fun listeners kind of gamers. Oh, yeah. A little bit of a gamer type out there. Uh, and you will get you'll get playing cards. Yes. You'll get dice. Yes. All like specifically related to and in tribute to the Maximum Fun shows and family. Yes. Uh, and I think, you know... $20 a month might be a little steep for some of you. Um, but if you've, if you've got that, that's a nice little benefit um, for you if you're able to give at that level. Yeah, it, we, it really does not matter what level you give at. And straight up, like we know, it is a terrible time out here and that a lot of you are not in a position to, to become members at all. And that's totally fine. We, we, we fully, fully, fully understand that. Uh, we also hear from some folks like, hey, sorry, five bucks a month is all I can do right now. Like, that's incredible. You are yeah. you are literally, you know, uh, putting energy into something that you uh, like and you are allowing us to do the exact same thing. And like, it doesn't matter what, you know, how much you are able to do that. The fact that you have chosen to do that at all is a really, really remarkable thing. And it means the absolute world to us. Um, so yeah, go to, go to maximumfund.org slash join, look at the different levels that you're able to give. If you're already a member, you've been, but you've been like listening to a lot more of our shows, maybe during quarantine, you've been holed up and, you know, you've been consuming more Max Fun shows and you want to, you know, up your donation, you can jump up to a new level or you can, uh, boost by just like kicking up your, your donation level a couple bucks, maybe not up to the next, you know, tier. If you don't want to go from five to 10, you could do seven or whatever. Uh, that's, that's an option that's available to you now. You can also gift memberships to other, uh, folks if they are uh, not able to, you know, become supporters, but they really want to, or they want some of those, uh, the, the, the pledge gifts. Uh, you can you can do that as well, um, but yeah, please think about supporting us. Your your support has has allowed us to make these shows what they are, um, and we can't thank you enough. It's maximumfun.org/slash/join. And hey, can I? While can I, hey what hey hey can I steal you eight? Yes. Okay. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality. And you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be... The same list as everybody else's with the Julia Styles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell? 
sell uh, your time? Yeah, you can do that also. Anything is possible. That's um the, for the commercial, the Super Bowl commercial they had. That was my voice yelling, anything is possible. In the wow. Background. Yeah, not a lot of people know that. Hey, head to squarespace.com slash wonderfulpod for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code wonderfulpod to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. Hey, we have a couple of Grombo prawns here, and I would love to read one of them, if you wouldn't mind me doing that. Please do. Okay, here's one, and it's for, and I didn't say this. Like, I didn't make this name up because it's going to sound rude, but it is for Taylor, a.k.a. Stinky. Like, I would never, like, to a person I don't know very well, I would never. Not even to a person you know very well. You're very polite. Thank you. It's, uh, it is from Allison, a.k.a. Stinkus, and I wouldn't do that either, and you know me. Anyway, uh, Stinka says to Stinky, Dearest Stinky, I am so glad you enjoyed this good, good podcast that brings me light even in the darkest of times. I think that that qualifies for now. And uh, <laughs> you have a fine tushy, and I'm glad to have spent three years with you and ideally many more on my love, Stinkus. I've never seen the word tushy spelled out like this. It's T-O-O-S-H-I-E. And I would love <laughs> for Merriam and Webster to just follow in this grand example and update the book, because I know they do that a lot these days. Tushy. You want to push the button we have to indicate to Merriam-Webster that we yes. have a suggestion? I want them to change it. Actually, if I have power over it, I will make them change it to, say, Tucci. Uh, <laughs> like Mr. Stanley, but uh, referring to a buttock. Mm -hmm. Can I read you the next one? Please do. This is a message for Spike. It is from Justine. Hi, honey bun. Marrying you is the best thing I ever did, aside from when I asked you to walk me to my car, and Closer by Nine Inch Nails played at top volume when I started it. You're my best friend, and an authentic fart, and the best person I know. Hope this message makes your day. Do you think when people write in the Jumbotrons, they understand your aversion to like scatological <laughs> gastrointestinal sort of... I hope not. And now that you've brought it up, I'm even more concerned. I mean, I had to call two people stink adjacent so we I, all have our crosses to bear today i really enjoy the closer by nine inch nails sure, uh, reference sure really brings me back Can number two you about my who second does number thing. two work for who does num who does number two who does number two work for who does number two work for i gotta find a new host to do the show with yeah, you? Yeah, gotta find a new... I gotta find someone who not only does not do Austin Powers, but has never seen an Austin Powers film. Whoa. I'm gonna put an ad out. Hmm. Our babysitter's pretty young. If Do you want yeah. me to go tag out? <laughs> she maybe hasn't seen him. Uh, hey, what's your second thing? My second thing is the Ferris wheel. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. I feel like everything I know about the Ferris wheel came from Devil in the White City. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would be appropriate, right? It would be appropriate. Have you read that book? I have not. No. Oh, man, it kicks ass. I may be actually restating some of the information that is in there. Oh, you almost certainly are. It's a book that is largely about the Ferris wheel at one yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, I love the Ferris wheel. Sure. When I was a kid and I was a little terrified of roller coasters, uh, Ferris wheel was my go-to. Yeah. Like, I want to get up there. I want to see, see the park. I want to see the sights. 
particularly scared of of the upside downs, and you can't do that with a Ferris wheel. No, at least not on most of them. Want to know which uh, uh, games have the best like stuffed animal? Pri- like, where's the big sponges, Bob's? Where's the big sponges, <laughs> Bob's at? Because that's the that's those are the games I'm gonna make a beeline to. You can see it from up high. I'm not going to waste my fucking money on the frog hammer launch game. I'm not going to do the ping pong balls into the fish bowls. No way. Also, Ferris wheel, good for cuddling, good for smooching. Oh, it's no one can see. When you're at the zenith of it, (laughs) you're the highest in the park. No one's going to see you necking. Mm -hmm. But you do have a limited arc there to neck before your youth pastor Mm -hmm. can see you again. (laughs) A lot of the rides are restrictive. You know, you're really, you're really buckled in. You can't. You can't do the arm around the shoulder, but you can with the Ferris wheel. Also, Tunnel of Love is not a thing that actually exists anywhere in the actual world. Well, I mean, the dark rides. Dark rides. Yeah, what are you? What are you gonna do? You gonna kiss on the you know haunted house ride? <laughs> you gonna ask the scary. ride attendant exactly how long the ride is so you know yeah. how much time you have to work with? No way, man. <laughs> uh, Ferris wheel. So uh, was not the actual like first of its kind. Um, the big the big Ferris wheel we know about, designed by George Washington Gale Ferris, uh, was after there had been such a creation by William Summers had built a 50-foot wooden wheel at Asbury Park, Atlantic City, and Coney Island. Whoa, okay. Um, he called it a roundabout. Okay. Um, but, but the Ferris wheel was designed as kind of the answer to the Eiffel Tower. The uh, World's Columbian Exposition was happening in Chicago. This is in the 1890s. And the Eiffel Tower had just come out and everybody's like, well, what are we going to do? Uh, and it was kind of the big task. There was a man named Daniel Burnham in late 1890 that was tasked with kind of turning this uh, this little square mile of Chicago into a world showcase. And he approached a bunch of designers and said, we've got to figure something out. Uh, it's got to be as good as the Eiffel Tower, but is is not just the Eiffel Tower. Uh, <laughs> this is explicitly, you have to read Devil Noy. It yeah. is explicitly about Daniel Burnham and the like incredible infrastructural challenge of creating yeah. this, this, this World's Fair. Uh, yeah. Uh, so George Washington Gale Ferris, who at the time was 33 years old and from Pittsburgh, uh, said like, all right, I've got an idea. Uh, and he was initially in charge with inspecting the steel used by the fair and thought, oh, well, let's do a huge revolving steel wheel. Uh, and everybody was like, that'll never work. Uh, <laughs> and he spent a lot of his own money making sure that it could happen. Uh, so he spent $25,000 on safety studies and hiring more engineers and recruiting investors, all to make this happen. Uh, and it ultimately measured 250 feet in diameter. And What's up? How's your shitty 50-foot wheel? <laughs> had 36 cars, which made it capable of holding 60 people. That's, that is, I forgot how, that's so fucking big. To get on something like that in the 19th century, let me just hop aboard this 250 foot tall man-made object in the 19th century. And get like way higher than I have ever been in my life, you know? Um, Over the next 19 weeks, more than 1.4 million people paid 50 cents for a 20 minute ride uh, during that time period. and I will say the most notable part of this wheel was an 89,000-pound axle that had to be hoisted onto two towers 140 feet in the air. <laughs> Just the construction of this thing. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. I think, I mean, I, obviously the Eiffel Tower gets a lot of credit for even inspiring somebody to think this big. Well, but, the Eiffel Tower uh, was a creation of what was essentially like a Parisian World's Fair. Like yeah. it was its own sort of like... It everything like that made in that era was just an engineering flex of just like, yep, now we've made the greatest object currently extant in the world. Yeah. And so that's that's what this was a swing at. Um, the Ferris wheel that was created for this uh Columbian exposition did not um did not survive. No. It uh it actually made its way to St. Louis. Um it was sold for the 1904 Louisiana Purchase Exposition in St. Louis, and then two years later, dynamited. <laughs> so <laughs> you have—that's the only way to kill this big, <laughs> this big bastard. 
Um, Ferris also became immersed in a lot of lawsuits about debts that he owed suppliers and that the fair owned him. Uh, it, it did not, not end well for him, which I mean, you, you know, you invest a lot of your own money into something. There's always some risks associated with that. Yeah. Uh, there is a big Ferris wheel in Chicago today. Sure. Uh, do you ever go up in that Navy Pier Ferris wheel? I never really went to Navy Pier. There's not a much. lot there. Well, yeah, and also I didn't really know anybody in Chicago, so that's a weird solo excursion. <laughs> I feel like. So let me just go to the Navy Pier Ferris wheel by myself. Um, the Navy Pier Ferris wheel was added to Pier Park in 1995. It was 150 feet tall and 40 gondolas. Um, in 2016, they updated it uh, up to 200 feet um, and had climate-controlled gondolas. Ooh. Um, the biggest Ferris wheel currently 2014 in Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. 550 feet tall. That's quite large. That's a, that's a big one. Big one, guys. <laughs> that's so big. Yeah, you can you can learn a lot. There's a lot. I mean, it becomes kind of a showpiece for a lot of cities because it looks yeah, great I on a skyline. It. I love it in a skyline. I was mm-hmm. just about to say, like, uh, London has London. it there. I forget mm-hmm. what the, it's, I feel like I know its name. It's on the tip of my tongue. Hong Kong has, like, a great one, I remember. Love it. I love the Apple the uh Apple TV does this incredible screensaver essentially which is just like these panoramic sweeping shots of either different sort of yeah. like beautiful environments or city skylines and I feel like I can identify most cities by the Ferris wheel that they have going the on. The London one's called the London Eye yes. by the way. Uh yeah, I I just I don't know. It seems kind of ridiculous in a lot of ways. Um because it's uh it takes up a lot of space you know not a lot of people can be on it at once yeah um you know it's not exactly a, a thrilling thing for a lot of people now that if they've been on a bunch of roller coasters but yeah. I, I love it there's something kind of romantic and beautiful about it it's great it's a good mm-hmm. shape it's a great it's there it's the simplicity of it mm-hmm. is what makes it so so perfect Plus, it's always fun to think about it, you know, coming off of its stand. Sure, and, and you rolling, roll for a while. For a while, you'd probably be terribly injured. Yeah, but what a way to go, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, how did your uncle Mike uh, pass away? Oh, heart failure. That's too bad. How did your uncle Mike pass away? Oh, well, okay. <laughs> he was on this Ferris wheel, and you it came when off that the Ferris thing? wheel went down the highway. It was radical. Uh, hey, can I tell you my second thing? Yes. So excited for this one. It is my favorite music video of all time. Hands down, no competition. Uh, for also an exceptional song. It is the music video for Scenario by A Tribe Called Quest featuring leaders of the new school, uh, which I finally kind of looked into the the origins of this collaboration uh, and, and learned a whole lot. But Scenario is like, Scenario is one of the all-time best like hip hop bangers in the like history of recorded music. It is widely regarded as the tribe's best like song and also one of the best posse cut, which is just like oh, yeah, it yeah it's like essentially just like a a pseudo competitive round robin of MCs just like each doing Yeah, a verse. I feel like anybody like that can very like strongly remember their introduction to hip hop and and kind of as they explore the genre will have a a, a tribe called Quest. Yes. Kind of some, well they that. were yes, they were known for they did a lot of collaborations, a lot of posse cuts and this yeah. is uh, you know, it's their best known song. So it is, of course, their best known uh, collaboration with uh, uh, leaders of the new school who were this like young upstart quartet uh, from Long Island. And they were like young as hell and making this huge name for themselves. They started uh, opening for Public Enemy and Chuck D was like this like father to them, gave two of their members their names. Those two members were Charlie Brown and... A young Busta Rhymes uh, was the standout member of Leaders of the New School. And in fact, like after this collaboration, after Scenario, where A Tribe Called Quest was like, these guys are fucking incredible. Let's, let's you know, get them on a track. Uh, Busta Rhymes was like, this was the launch pad for his career. And while I think Charlie Brown also, like everybody 
is incredible in this song. Uh, Buster Rhymes is the only one that kind of just had this meteoric rise yeah. that his his uh, his bandmates did not uh, necessarily follow that same trajectory, which led to uh, a bit of hostility between them, some of which was uh, actually sort of aired out during a kind of infamous episode of Yo! MTV Raps. Uh, but this song is fucking amazing. Buster Rhymes comes in with the very last uh verse and uh it is like so memorable there's so many like memorable like single like pairings of lines in this song that yeah, listening that you to hear sampled all the time you hear now. sampled all the time who's that brown is like in so many fucking songs <laughs> and it's three words uh <laughs> and so like hearing it and and knowing like a little bit about like who has sampled what and hearing it all in the same fucking track is like a staggering history lesson contained in one single just absolute bop uh i'm going to play a little bit of it now because i know that it's you know it was uh recorded in 1991 so there's probably a lot of our listeners who have maybe never even heard it so uh here is buster rhymes verse at the end of uh scenario as i combine all the juice from the mind heal up wheel up bring it back come rewind powerful impact boom from the cannon now bragging try to read my mind just imagine both can't build there is necessary when digging into my library oh my gosh oh my gosh eating i do still like the one pizza tosser oh 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 all over the track man oh pardon me oh as i come back as i did the girl, i had to make well earned his his career launch off this song was well earned because that verse is so fucking good uh when i hear this song i don't just want to listen to it though I absolutely have to watch the music video because it's it is. I was not familiar with perfect. the video. Like I had heard perfect. the song, you know, hundreds of times, and then I watched the video, and I was like, I don't think I have ever seen this before. It, it, you you're on this level with me now, though, right? That it is like all time fucking amazing. It's very nostalgic for it a is, lot of reasons. It is 1991, sort of like boiled down into this beautiful prismatic crystal uh it was uh directed by jim swofield who did uh, a lot of work with a tribe called quest and directed like a, a few music videos back in that day uh most famously the music video for summertime by dj jazzy jeff and the fresh prince oh my god uh, which is another which is another uh, uh great great music video uh but scenario plays out like and i would encourage you to just watch it now before i talk about it because it will be impossible to for me to describe the uh rampant charm of this video, it is shown as an interactive computer desktop uh, where windows appear like featuring like low res videos of, uh, you know, the members of a tribe called Quest and leaders just like going at it or clips from like, you know, uh, concerts. Uh, and Are there particular video games being referenced? Like, no. Okay. Because I, I saw some of some of the like little interactive elements yes. reminded me of these like game player creation well what it is reminiscent of is just some windows 3.0 ass interfaces <laughs> that run the gamut from like they're, they're present in the entire video it is shown as like these uh, overlapping windows of that are that are popping up of like non-extant applications uh at one point uh fife dog is doing a verse and he appears in this like salon app where a menu toggles him through like various haircuts. That's a trick that they really like to go through. I think at one point Buster Rhymes is uh, doing a verse, but he's wearing a green screen shirt. And so the app is like switching the shirt between different patterns. They really, really like that trick. Uh, there's like fake camera control editing interfaces that yeah. is like switching between like Dutch angles and uh, all kinds of different things. Uh, at one point there is like, there are inscrutable like cameos of just like a window will pop up and there's yeah. Red Man or a window will pop up and it's just like, there's Spike Lee for some fucking reason. I couldn't, like I did a double take when I saw that. I was like, whoa, wait. That, Why that, is that's, Spike Lee there? Spike Lee's just really like, him. he appears in a window and he's just kind of like bopping his head along with the music. It's like, okay, I guess. Uh, it does like, it, it is so much of it is like kind of like nonsensical, but it is also like extremely fresh and like playful. And again, like just some Microsoft Encarta ass interfaces that feel so 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 wildly nostalgic yeah and so, i think for sure it was based on some actual existing game because it seems so precise no i mean there were okay so there were um 
certain games like uh, MTV Music Generator, or there was a Sega CD game called Make My Video. Oh. And in Make My Video, which would have come out uh, maybe mid-90s, I want to say, mm. there was, uh, I think it came with just like two songs. I think one of them was Jump Jump. And you could like press different buttons on the controller to switch between different like video feeds so you would like edit together essentially a very bare bones music video essentially just using three different feeds of music and then at the end a director or producer would be like hey that was pretty good you got 90 percent so maybe it's like i don't know it feels like this video informed that game or that game informed this video uh but it is just so uh it is so 90s but it is also so fucking fun. And the song is so fucking good. And uh, I get like obsessed with it. I will like <laughs> think about it uh, and I will be like, oh, I haven't watched that in a while. And I will watch it and then it will be all I can think about for like a <laughs> solid week. Uh, I've watched it like like eight times today. It's so beautiful and incredible and good. And uh, you should watch it again. If you've heard the song and you know the song rips but you've never seen the music video you owe it to yourself to go on this journey uh and you also owe it to yourself to go on the journey of going to maximumfund.org slash join and for the last time we will ask you to consider becoming a supporter of the network shows like ours shows like jordan jesse go stop podcasting yourself uh the other shows that the McRoy family does mabim bam adventure zone all of those shows exist and have become what they are now because of the support that we've gotten from our, our members uh, through the Max Fund Drive. Thank you, Maximum Fun. Thank you, Maximum Fun, for having us and for everything you do. And thank you to you. One last time, MaximumFun.org slash join. Thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. And um, thank you to Griffin. Thank you to Rachel. We're a good team. That's funny because like 10 minutes ago, you said you wanted to replace me. <laughs> it's just... Mike Myers has consistently driven a wedge between us. Sure. Not, I, but not, you love So I Married an Axe Murderer. That's like your shit. I haven't watched it in a very long time. I don't even know if I feel comfortable saying that anymore. I think my hostility towards Mr. Myers has grown such that I might not appreciate it as much. Well, yeah, I will admit that you are not a fan of Mr. Powers or Mr. Shrek or Mr. Borat, which like he didn't do, but I also think you could lay some <laughs> of the, you could lay some of the blame. There would be no Borat without. <laughs> Without Mr. Myers. Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting. You can read uh, Rachel's entire sort of capstone uh, paper that she wrote in college about is Borat Mike Myers. Uh, <laughs> it goes off the rails, but I mean, it's 60 pages of like well, well-researched, well well-documented, and, mm-hmm. and well-cited information. So mm-hmm. um, what was the conclusion that you arrived at for that paper? Uh, no. Okay. Yeah, this is a short, short end. Long, long, long road to get there. Body of research, less surveys, a lot of focus groups. Ultimately, no. The yeah, answer was, was no. It was a different actor. Yeah. You did that. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.